Hello and welcome back. I am here with my good friend Tracy. I'm here with my delightful friend Amber. And this is the Roads to Harbalan, a Wheel of Time podcast, coming hot off the back of the <laughs> New York Comic Con panel for the Wheel of Time. Indeed. Now, there were many things discussed throughout this panel, mm-hmm. but we are going to talk about our 10 favorite takeaways from the panel. Um, go, go ahead. Tell me what you got on your list. Okay, so I think the first thing was the emphasis on the storylines breaking apart into more individual paths as opposed to group dynamics. And I think almost every single person talked about how there are like one-on-one situations quite a bit, but we're not really looking at like the whole crew galloping off together out of the two rivers like we do in the um like in the first season that was like the first thing that i was like okay and i mean that reflects the books yeah just an assumption based off of what they were talking about is we're going to get that like each of them going through their individual struggle with not being the person they were when they left because that is hard like you know they each had expectations. This was the life I was expecting. Rand's on a hilltop with a Gween, like, our children, my children would run through these hills. Like, that is not the life mm-hmm. Rand is going to get at this point. And I actually, I was thinking about something as well. Like, I'm my brain automatically, like, kind of cycles through almost the entire book series to, like, where does this get us towards the end? And I think... I think each one of our characters has to be able to establish themselves independently in order to be able to become the effective force they need to be as the storyline continues. Like if they continue to just be like, and it's terrible. It's terrible that they have to go through this, you know, like, yeah, I'm comfort. I'm comfort queen number one. I want to hang out with my people. I don't want to be separated from them. Solo stuff makes me nervous. And it's not just solo stuff for them. It's like heart wrenching, traumatic, life altering stuff that they're each dealing with individually. Mm-hmm. And I'm really I am really fascinated and excited that they're going to take it in that direction. I think I'm most excited for Rand's storyline in season two. I've got a good feeling of, like, what's going on with Rand, Mm -hmm, you know? mm -hmm. Like, mentally, Mm -hmm. (laughs) where he's going to be at. Mm -hmm. So I think I'm really excited just getting Yosha to this point in his storyline. Yeah, I agree. I think we're going to see dark borderline losing his mind Rand this season and I'm I think that's going to be really fun to watch especially for the surprise of how they are going to approach Luz Theron yeah and that's something that I'm just I'm dying to see I can't wait because how they approached it with Loghain was very cool yeah so Ooh, yeah. Oh, man. If it's anywhere close to something like that, it's going to be awesome. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. So 
One of the things that I had picked was in terms of Rafe speaking about Elaine Tricond and Kira Coveney, the actress that will be portraying her. And he said she comes in and perfectly delivers a scene of being a princess trained from birth to be queen. And once she lets out the Lion of Andor, it's something mm-hmm. to behold. And I'm thinking of The Dragon Reborn, mm-hmm. where Elaine is talking about someone in the history of Andor, a queen who was this fierce lioness. And yes. to be the queen of Andor, you have to embody this mm-hmm. just grit and strength to be willing to do things that could almost seem impossible, but you just have to be fearless and fierce. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's something that we are definitely, definitely going to be seeing in season two. Agreed. There's also just the the whole part of this panel, seeing Kira Kovney was mm-hmm. amazing. She was delightful. I had watched reels of her before it was even announced that she was playing Mm-hmm. Elaine Tricond when mm-hmm. people were guessing that she might be Avienda mm-hmm. and this was way way back but just watching a showreel of her and listening to her speech and the mm-hmm. way that she talks I knew right then 100% she's Elaine there's mm-hmm. this, this woman is not our Avienda no way yeah there's just something about her way of speech and the way that she holds herself and watching her on stage, I was just so, so happy to be like, this is Elaine. It's her. Mm-hmm. It's her. There's something really amazing when you see someone and they just completely line up yes. with your idea yep. of a book character. Mm-hmm. And I think this just is like a firm nod to the casting department you know, on this one. Like I just I hit agree. home run. Mm-hmm. Home run. I think there's no room for complaint. No. I feel I feel as though the first season got a lot of crap for this doesn't look like the characters I've always seen in my head. And so I feel as though Kira Kovney is almost like the, here, guys, look. We found someone right. who is absolutely perfect. She is excellent. Shut up. Excellent. Shut up. Except the other actors are doing a brilliant job here. This one's for you. I love it. There's just something about the way that she talks, Mm -hmm. like, on the panel, it could have just been that this is such a big room and there's a lot of echoing, like, when you're talking into the microphone Mm -hmm. and it's, like, bouncing back at you. Yeah. But there was almost this, like, little quiver to her voice that it was just, like, I immediately wanted to run to her and, like, hug her and be like, (laughs) I love you, you're great, you're wonderful. (laughs) And she just seemed so humble and Mm -hmm. I don't think with what they had kind of talked on the panel about her being basically a princess Mm -hmm. and walking into the situation rubbing, rubbing, scrubbing pots and pans, Mm -hmm. how it's kind of like this wake-up call for her. Mm -hmm. I'm really curious to see how that's going to translate. Like, are we going to get kind of a snobby Elaine at first? Where maybe Egwene or someone puts her in in her place? Yeah. Or if it's maybe mistress of novices Mm -hmm. maybe a shiriam situation like don't come in here and think that your life is going to be the same as it was in the castle yeah because you're on a whole new 
whole new landscape for you, Elaine. Yeah. And two, lastly, last point, her talking about having, not her, sorry, Rafe talking about letting out the lion of Andor and it being something to behold. Mm -hmm. I really, really think that for season two, the big finale, like the big climax will be mm-hmm. Falma mm-hmm. and the escape from the Shan Chen. And I think it's going to be Elaine, Egwene, Nynaeve, very similar to how it is in the books. Them just unleashing hellfire onto the Shan Chen and just going nuts with it mm-hmm. and I'm so excited for that so excited do you want to just take what you said and run it into like the next thing that I I have as a takeaway sure sure okay so uh um, number three here. yeah number three yeah the highlight and emphasis of strong female characters I think Robert Jordan started it with the books in a way is that this was coming off of the T grain clip was that uh, what this, this is, is this is actually just Picking up various people talking, that for sure. Because I love I love Rafe talking about how Tigraine is literally fighting for the life of her child in that moment. God, that scene is so good. It is still one of my favorite scenes from the, the entire series. But we get we get women who are strong with magic. We get women who are strong because they are warriors. We get women who are strong because they know things. And I think that there's going to be an emphasis on the power of feminine balanced with masculine. And I'm not necessarily like talking about like a gendered way, but in a, how do I want to say this? A feeling you know what I mean like this fantasy series isn't all like doom and gloom and a bunch of guys running around and killing things it's much more thoughtful than that and I think part of it comes down to the highlighting of female empowerment and friendships and how that like bleeds out through other relationships whether you're a man or a woman or however you choose to identify. There's definitely so many instances in the story where I think despite, you know, whether you're looking for a strong female character or not, Mm -hmm. I think any person that has read The Wheel of Time has found a female character that they're just like, yeah, Mm -hmm. love them. Mm -hmm. That's my chick. Like, Mm -hmm. that's my ride or die right there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think think the appreciation for the actors, for each other, and like Daniel Henney said something about how Madeline Madden had, I think he said she had a lot of gas in her tank for like what she can deliver as an actress. And Mm -hmm him saying that lined up with the image from the little teaser clip that we got to see where we're like, oh my God, that's a queen, it's a caller. Like, and I got kind of like chills just thinking about like what we're going to get to see this cast go through. It's going to be dark. Like I don't, I don't know if people are going to be ready for how dark the season is potentially going to get. And I am actually really excited about that. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, yeah. 
So this was the question on the storylines in season two that the cast and panelists were most excited to see. Mm -hmm. And Kira's answer was that they're spoiled for choices on storylines because it appears all of them are very good. Mm -hmm. But she's most excited for Nynaeve. Mm -hmm. And to me that was interesting because when we talk about the Great Hunt, the Dragon Reborn, Nynaeve has, you know, her moments where certain things happen for her, but it's definitely not, I would say, like, the highlight of her arc throughout mm. the entire series, yes. where, like, you could kind of overlook what happens to Nynaeve in these books, because she's kind of just, like, Mother Hen, you yeah. know? Yeah. Kind of like... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Someone's got to look after these kids. It would almost seem to me that they are going to focus a lot on her relationship with Daniel Honey, with Lan, just based uh-huh. on other answers in the panel. So uh-huh. this might be something upgraded for the TV show and different than yeah. what we get in the books. Uh-huh. And Daniel Henney said he does have scenes in season two with Nynaeve. So, I mean... They will come together at a point, and that's going to be fun scenes, I think, for the Land Nynaeve fans. But also, I think just with Kira answering that she's excited to see Nynaeve's story, yeah, it made yeah. me think that possibly these two actresses have a good relationship with each other, and maybe like. There's just something in the chemistry between these two women that will come out on screen and it's going to make a lot of people happy. And that's what I'm hoping for. Like, I'm cool. I'm excited about Lan and Nynaeve, but mm-hmm. very excited to see how these two characters are going to interact with one mm-hmm. another and maybe how it might be different from the books. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just you like, got like I'm, a big smile yes, on your face, Tracy. Yes. Well, okay. So because we do spend so much time in the books with just Nynaeve and Elaine. I mean, they are together for almost the entire the entire series. series, exactly. And a lot of it is just the two of them off doing yeah. something that should basically be impossible, <laughs> yeah. and like figuring their shit out as they go along. And they're su- they come from such opposite places but also oh yeah yeah. they have they are so similar in the totally different backgrounds totally different class divide but they both have like a warrior's spirit and power and they expect to be listened to and obeyed you know yeah like and so them i and i love that because there's a lot to say for for people who can get shit done and they are both absolutely that type of personality. And a lot of times that can lead to a lot of clashing. And we certainly have our moments with Elaine and Nynaeve where they like butt heads. But that's part of what I like about them is it's like this is how you can use communication and compassion to get past those things to a place where you're taking care of each other instead. Yeah, they do butt heads, but at the same time, they're not... They they both have this mentality of, like, get shit done. Mm-hmm. So they're busy, yeah. like, focusing on a problem and not trying to, like, tear each other down. Exactly. 
I think one thing in regards to Nynaeve's storyline is just how much range I think she's going to get in this season. If she's having... Because Daniel Henney describes his time with her as being bright and playful and like this sounds as though we're going to get this like guards down vulnerability of two characters who kind of like keep themselves really walled off and I love that but then we also saw Nynaeve whirling around with the sword in her hands looking like a, a total fucking badass so yes Yes, this storyline. I'm, I'm still convinced. I'm still convinced with your theory that this might be part of her training, because even if it's not tower training, like mm-hmm. something that everyone receives mm-hmm. in the Great Hunt, when Nynaeve and a Wayne are on the ship, the boat with the Amarlin seat. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's when Swan Sanjay uses weaves of air to like bind Nynaeve but I'm almost 100% certain Nynaeve says something like give me a weapon and I'll use it like she didn't she's hesitant to use the one power and the one power won't always come to her Mm -hmm. via you know reasons by her block or the oaths or whatever but she explicitly states in this book that she is willing to use a weapon so I think this is a naive thing. I don't think this is her accepted test or a dream or whatever. I think this is real. Yeah, I think it is. And I really hope so because it looks good. It looks good. I love the idea of adding that to her like level of skills. Like, yes, please, Mm -hmm. please, by all means, give Nynaeve a sword. I'm down. Love this. All right. What do you got next, Tracy? Okay, what I want to say, you probably should not publish, but you can choose this. My uh, other takeaway is I would really like to get high with Donald Finn. That's... (laughs) (laughs) We're laughing because when we were watching the panel last night, Donald Finn is just so relaxed, so chill, and he's got this... Like Cheshire cat, like grin as he was answering questions. And I was like, Tracy... Do you think he smokes? <laughs> <laughs> We're leaving it. Okay. Uh, yeah, please leave it. I don't have any problems with that as long as you don't. But I mean, seriously, all I wanted to, like, after the panel was over, I wished I was there to be like, hey, hey. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. Exactly. I mean, and I'm. Let's go back. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's just right. move on. <laughs> no, but I what 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 that also comes down to is how excited I am for him to be stepping into Matt's role. We've talked about him on a couple different occasions. We've kind of dug into some of the work that he's done and other things. And I have had like my, is this gonna, is this gonna slide? Is this not gonna slide? Like what? And then he comes out on stage. I'm like, oh my God. And I'm sorry, Barney Harris. I'm really sorry because it did take me a minute to like, put him into my headcanon as Matt, but Donald Finn walks out and I'm like, that's Matt. That's Matt. For you. For For me. Yes. Okay. Yes. For me. And I think a lot of it has to do with like that mischievous, like kind of 
he just he does he has that he has that energy it's but... naturally and it just naturally kind of exudes from him that there's this like something more underneath him and i think yeah. that that's a really really important part of matt's character and i think everyone i think everyone on stage had really good things to say about like, his performance and i think I can't remember who it was, but someone was like, it was effortless. It might have even been like Madeline Madden that was like, he became an effortless Matt. And I was like, that's what I want to hear. Because we're coming into a second season with a new actor. I don't want it to be jarring for anybody. And knowing that like the cast members feel really solid about what he's brought. Like, I'm just, I'm going to be, I'm a Matt fangirl even more now because I needed, I needed ammunition for this. So that's that's my my takeaway. Okay. So for mine, this was an audience question, and they asked, how do you plan on handling the gender binary of the mm. one power? Mm-hmm. And to Rafe's credit, he may have answered this, but I'm not quite sure. Because yeah. he talks quite a bit about his background as a gay young Mormon Mm -hmm. and not really having a place. Mm -hmm. And while I think that's incredibly important to him, you know, taking hold of this story and it being in his hands, the audience member was asking about gender Mm -hmm. and not sexuality. Right. So um, didn't really answer it in any specifics. He kind of like, sidestepped it Mm -hmm. but i would understand because the wheel of time is so binary in terms of the one power which is something that some people don't love Mm -hmm. about it Mm -hmm. and it's one of these really really difficult topics where i've seen people try and say you know like well if we adapted it to make it current Mm -hmm. and see the world in a not so binary way Mm -hmm. how would you do that Mm -hmm. And I've heard some pretty good ideas, Mm -hmm. but I don't think anyone can really, like, answer that question. And I think even if Robert Jordan were still alive... Yeah, yeah. He would need a minute to think about it. Oh, absolutely. But Rafe did say that he wants to bring forth the idea that there is a place for everyone in the Wheel of Time. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not sure if he meant that in terms of what the audience member was asking. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he maybe misunderstood or didn't really want to give a black and white answer, like, yes, we're going to do this. That does seem to fall in line with the answers given for the most part anyway. So I think that is a possibility. Right, right. And it's possible this is not something that they've considered doing Mm -hmm. with the tv show Mm -hmm. like maybe it's not something they're gonna take on but his answer does give me a little bit of hope Mm -hmm. and moving forward i think that it's a topic that is brought up in the wheel of time fairly often yeah considering when it was written Mm -hmm. so no i agree with you and i'm i do kind of have to wonder because like you said if robert jordan were still alive and he were asked this question he was born in like the 1940s right i feel as though these would be questions that we pose to him that he would still be learning things around as right right. and i mean i have to wonder because of the like the the book 
readers, if they will just kind of address that later on. You know what I mean? Like they're doing from the book readers or from, from the show. From the show, like okay, like I feel like they're doing a really good job of wading in pretty strongly with an inclusive cast, and I think that if we keep creating a level of comfort around it, like there's just so there are so many moments in season one where non-heterosexual, non-monogamous relationships are addressed and it's done really casually for the most part and addressed like it's just like it's this is just no big deal. This is just how people live. And so I feel like if we if they keep doing that as they keep moving the seasons forward, maybe they can bring more of the book readers along with because I'm a lot of the book readers are my age. You know, they're like, in their early mid forties and older. And I mean, no offense, they're also primarily men. And so I don't really know if like, yeah, I mean, there's not, there's not a perfect way of creating this. Exactly. Like, I guess my head canon would just be if someone doesn't identify as, you know, one gender, mm-hmm. they would, they would, pick you know like it would almost be like they get to choose that one choose your choose your own (laughs) side r sighting i love that idea all right tracy what's your next topic this actually goes to the uh audience portion like the audience question portion as well but it isn't necessarily directed at anything that anyone said it was mostly an observation of the crowd that was there at the panel and it was it did not look like Jordan Khan. Do you know what I mean? Like there were people of color, there were lots of women. There looked like there was a fair level of like age group representation and I was like, yeah. Yeah. That made me well, happy. Yeah, to be fair, like the Wheel of Time came out a long time ago. Right. <laughs> so, no, like, absolutely. It might be a statement, not so much like who goes to what type of fan meetings, mm-hmm. but like possibly the TV show has inspired younger, more diverse people to have interest in yes. the story. Yep. That's exactly what I was taking away from it was like, you know, by recreating the story, by giving it a breath of fresh air if you will by like making it more inclusive and all those other things you create a new audience base you create new headcanons you create new conversations around this and it just made me so so happy because I love seeing things like that come together and I like I said yeah. the intentionality behind a lot of the things that the the show is doing I feel are is like it just it feels very different in a way that I'm really happy with, you know? Yeah, and who knows? Like, there's this idea of it inspiring people, too, where it's like you grow up, you find some series or character that you really love, and you see someone Mm -hmm. that looks like you, that sounds like you playing that role, and Mm -hmm. maybe you end up becoming a screenwriter. Mm -hmm. Maybe you grow up to 
take an interest in certain things and kind of like carry that legacy on for more and more people Mm -hmm. that come after you. And I think it's just a lovely way to, I don't know, inclusion. Yeah. Inclusion. was That was it. I was like, this looks, this looks good. No, you're definitely right though. Like the shots from within the crowd, it was just, it was nice to see. It was yeah. really good to see. And I mean, nothing against, you know, what whatever group of people is drawn to whatever things. It's just mm-hmm. mostly an observation of, you know, what we have normally seen, been accustomed to seeing at conventions like this and how that is being, like, broadened. And I think it's so fun. Think how much of a change it is now that, like, women are interested in, you know, sci-fi fantasy. Right. Or, like, I mean, to me, anyways, it feels like, okay, maybe not all sci-fi, because, like, when I think about stuff like Star Trek, mm-hmm. like, they were ahead of the game. Mm-hmm. Like, I think before a lot of other fandoms and whatnot. But yeah. Anyways, anyways, it it's kind of, like, stereotypically, like, a white male thing it is it just is and i mean i mean it's not that's exactly who it's always been marketed to as well you know like for the most part i would agree. yeah like i mean it's changing though it is and it's lovely and i love it because like fantasy for me when i was like a young woman growing up was like it was an escape it was it was permission to live in a different world because the world I lived in was not exactly kind to book nerdy, chubby girl me. And it was, I don't know, I feel like a lot of people find them as an escape, but also as like comfort. I, Rafe even talks about that, like how... <laughs> finding finding a place yeah. for... But also I think like, what he he said, uh, Wheel of Time book readers are emotional, and that but <laughs> I, was, he, I, I was almost like interpreting that as like emotional, unhinged, crazy. <laughs> like, we, <laughs> what is wrong with us? <laughs> but I I loved that because I I think I think the statement continued. It was like emotionally invested or connected or whatever. But I mean, he could have just stopped at Wheel of Time. Book readers are emotional, and especially in connection to the series, he even has a really cool series where it's a connection with him and his mother. Like, yeah, I can I understand and love and appreciate so much like the connections that I feel are are happening are being explored and broadened because of the direction that the TV show is taking and I really hope that it just like the momentum just keeps keeps going mm-hmm. yeah it it does make me really happy okay so previously watching season one there was an aspect of the show where it felt a little bit rough like Mm -hmm. not as polished yeah as i had hoped Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. they had setbacks whatever we've talked about it a million times don't need to go into it but i had always wondered about rafe's rafe judkin's previous like history of work like what Mm -hmm. were his bodies of work Mm -hmm. that he has done and that was always kind of like a scary thing for me because he's not someone that's been 
doing this for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And I think despite that and me having questions and maybe reservations about it, mm-hmm. I have to say, like, I do feel really happy that the story is in his hands mm-hmm. because had it been someone else, the casting could look totally, totally different. different. The stories, some of the some of these heartwarming stories and things that we've been talking about just now, it it might be totally different. Mm-hmm. I mean, we could have ended up with this action hero Marvel style TV show mm-hmm. where it was more about, you know, like the fighting and not so much about the characters, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. And while I do think that there is room to grow in terms of the writing, yeah, I think that the TV show itself has opened the doors for some really important discussions Agreed. and some really interesting, really interesting relationships. I agree. And I mean, that's, yeah. that's why I love pursuing things through fiction. Like anytime right. someone's like, you know, what do you do? I'm like, oh, I have a podcast. I have a Wheel of Time podcast. I have a fantasy series. Like part of me is like, and the other part of me is like, hell yeah, I do. Do you, yeah. know, do you know what I get to talk about? Because I talk about a fantasy series. Do you know how open my conversations are? Like, yeah. And then you add on top of it, like this additional media format that turns it into a near art form really like the level of attention that's being given to our costumes to our sets to everything that like I am so happy with this show just thrilled yeah I'm really excited too I think it can only get better Mm -hmm. well okay so what I have is in regards to all the new people and creatures and places and cultures we're going to be seeing and meeting. We can talk about that for a little bit if you want to. Absolutely. Did you catch in the panel, he said something about, the interviewer asked Rafe something about being like in Waterworld or something? Yeah, he said terra firma. And then he said, like, it's a lot different than being on terra firma or something to that manner. And it made me think, like, are we going to be on ships a lot during season two? Because Sean Chen are on ships, Bale Doman, Mm -hmm. and then possibly Atha Anmier. Like, that's the only other. I mean, if we're pulling in. From the books, there's a lot of boat travel. Yeah, there's a lot of ship travel. Where else are you going to have more time to do nothing but sit and talk to someone else than sitting on a ship? <laughs> when you're stuck together <laughs> on water, yes. Yeah, so I mean, I can see them using it as like a uh, like a really fun like background type thing for... It's a, yeah, it's a good place for exposition. Yeah, 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 that's, that's exactly... But also a good place for battles. We just have that one scene at the end of season one with like the Shantan and the big waves coming off from like that huge fleet of ships and it makes me wonder what kind of defenses are going to be on ships from the Westlands in the TV series because I don't really think we see ships used as navies and Mm -hmm. I think we mostly 
maybe even only see them used as trade and transport. So it would be interesting if they like decide to pull in. I don't. Oh no, they can't. They can't do that yet. I was gonna say it'd be what? cool if they brought in cannons. Can't yeah. can't have cannons yet. Well, I mean, we have we have female channelers on ships in terms of the Shan Chen. So I mean, that's just as brutal and terrifying and destructive, if not more. I was trying to think of like the defenses that. The defenses that the the people of the Westlands might have against the Shan Chen on sea. I don't think they will have one. I just don't. I don't think so either. That's that's kind of what I was trying to piece together. Is like, are there any kind of like naval battles coming up? You could do one if it involved like sea folk ships. Yeah. But but that would be outing themselves as channelers, so risky, exactly. but also very intriguing really and also very interesting in terms of world building. Like, then you're opening <gasps> it way, way up. Mm. So that would be really fun to see. I'm into it. I like it. Okay, I like that. Oh, I love this. So world building, I guess, is like the the thing that, that feels really fun to me. And it, that's what's fun about the book series. Yeah. Okay, I got to get to the next question or else this is going to be an hour go, and 30 go. minutes. Go, okay. go. I'm ready. So this was also a question from the crowd, and it came from Joe from Talk Around Riyadh. I really, I like Joe. So uh, let's see. He asks, how will Perrin come to terms with his grief, and how will that affect his romantic arc? Mm-hmm. Marcus Rutherford had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> what was in store for him romantically, <laughs> so I thought that was really cute. Um, it was cute. But Rafe gave us confirmation that, that that is what they are currently working on in the writer's room for season three. So I think for me, that's confirmation on a question that Tracy and I had been asking ourselves many times within the podcast and within covering these last two books because Mm -hmm. I had said that I think it would be a it would be a bad idea to bring Fahil in this early on especially as Perrin is still grieving after his wife and I didn't want to have the character of Fahil coming in as the fixer like I didn't want her as a character coming in as a woman and being like I can heal this man I can or maybe not coming yep. from her, not that being her intention, but that being like a write a writing standpoint mm-hmm. of like how they have written her. It's common. It's common. It could have it, happened. It really, it really is. And I'm still hoping that's not the case. But mm-hmm. bringing her in in season two would have probably been a mistake, in my opinion. Oh, I agree. Her needs to come to terms with who he is, mm-hmm. and violence no violence and what is he going to choose how is he going to grow from that and i think introducing Mm fail would have just made it messy Mm -hmm. yeah i think i think in season two for Perrin, our mentors are going to be very different Mm -hmm. than like what we may necessarily be expecting and i think it's going to very much step away from that like a love interest coming in to save him, heal him, right. whatever. Like, I'm leaning, I'm leaning on Elias and actually Uno a little bit to be like influences on Perrin in season two. 
Like, it looks like Perrin and Uno are going to be spending some time That's together. That's actually my next topic, if we want to, like, slide into it. Sure, yeah. He's asked, you know, is violence something that Perrin can escape, or is it deep within mm-hmm. him? And they kind of answer that Perrin's going to go, like, full in on the animal side. So he's yeah. going to, like, hulk out in wolf brother mode, I think, confirmed. But Marcus said, like, Perrin goes out into the world and he has to decide if he's going to pick up a weapon again. And he meets different people with different perspectives of violence. And this is what Mm -hmm. you said, Tracy. I'm assuming that one of those people or maybe one of these groups of people will be the Shinarans. Mm -hmm. And it might also be loyal. Mm -mm. Because I think... That one of the characters that would be a really, really great help for Perrin, who's not mm-hmm. Elias, who's not someone expected, would be loyal mm-hmm. because the Ogier are all about nature and knowledge mm-hmm. and living in the setting um, in kind of this like peaceful, serene landscape. But they will fight when they have to and they are very careful when and how they decide if violence is an answer. Mm-hmm. But when it is the answer, just ruthless and toothless, man. So ready for it. So excited. Oh. So excited. And this is going to I... the clip that we saw. <sighs> Loyal is yeah. roped yeah. up, and he looks like he's just ready to break through. So right. I think... Perrin could be witnessing this and this could be something mm-hmm. that he sees that kind of flips a switch in him where he's like, okay, like there is a need sometimes for violence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, there, there's a, there, there's a balance to yes, be found. Yes. The balance. And it, the balance. Yeah. Always. I have one last thing. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think, I think you'll appreciate this wrap up. Tell me. So, the person who asked Daniel Henney how he felt about being a sex symbol. <laughs> Why did I know you were going to pick this? I knew it. I knew it. Best for last. <laughs> I like how we, we've, we've had this entirely like well thought, very <laughs> introspective conversation. Well, we're no, going to okay. end it Actually, on like... Because there, there are a couple of things. There are just two things uh, on this. That, like, I think make it the question that I want to address. And it's the way that he answered it. And the fact that, like, he was, I think he said that Asian men have been, like, routinely desexualized. Yes. He's like, I think it's time for us to bring that back. And I was like, well, sir, (laughs) you are the mascot. he's so good and I mean that's just it is like I because I do I feel so bad when I have those like moments where I'm like oh Daniel Henney so now I I feel much better I really really do but I don't ever want to slip into that like objectification I suppose but I mean it sounds like he's down for it so I'm down for it all the shirtless scenes please I'm okay with that (laughs) 